Hallelujah. God can do it and God will do it again. Our faithful God never fails. Hallelujah. Even this morning, the Lord in whom we have trusted, He will do it again for us. He is faithful, the same yesterday, today, and forever. I want to start by thanking the leadership of the church for this invitation. We came to Ibadan, all the way from Egypt, and we came primarily to bury our mother here, and that will be happening on Thursday and Friday. But I really thank the church for the way they have welcomed us, loved us, and shown great hospitality. Thank you, leaders. Thank you, Momichi. We celebrate the grace of God upon this church. It's a great privilege to stand with you as we look at God's Word this morning. We are looking at a topic called Five Responses to difficulties. Five responses to difficulties. And our main text is Second Corinthians chapter one from verse three to verse eleven. Second Corinthians chapter one from verse three to eleven. Let us pray. Lord, as we approach your word this morning in this noble assembly, and as your children gather, that they may receive from you what you have prepared for them. May your name be glorified. They have not gathered to man, they have gathered to God. Lord, to you whom we have come, speak very clearly this morning. And let all the glory be yours. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Five responses to difficulties. Our text, I say again, is Second Corinthians chapter 1, verse 3 to 11. And I read from the New King James. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of mercies and the God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our tribulations, that we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted 
through Christ by God. For as the sufferings of Christ are bound in us, so our consolation also abounds through Christ. Now, if we are afflicted, it is for your consolation and salvation, which is effective for enduring the same sufferings which we also suffer. Or if we are comforted, it is for your consolation and salvation. And our hope for you is steadfast, because we know that as you are partakers of the sufferings, so also you will partake of the consolation. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even for life. Yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves, that we should not trust in ourselves, but in the God who raises the dead, who delivered us from so great a death, and does deliver us, in whom we trust that he will deliver us still. You also helping together in prayer for us, that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. Hallelujah. It's a bit of a long reading, but we want to give context. One of the problems we have in preaching today is that people take verses out of context. And so I like us to look at things within the context of God's Word. What was happening in this situation? And we'll look at five things as our responses. And each one will start with the letter G, just for easy remembrance. So we are looking at five G's, by the grace of God. Let me start with verse 8. For we do not want you to be ignorant, brethren, of our trouble which came to us in Asia, that we were burdened beyond measure, above strength, so that we despaired even for life. Can I ask a question, please? Who is speaking here? Who is speaking here? Paul. Who was Paul? Eh? Who was Paul? Paul was the foremost apostle at this time. Paul was the man who had had tremendous encounters with Jesus. Paul was the man who saw things and heard things. He says he cannot utter them. Paul was the man who had 
an abundance of revelation. The man who single-handedly wrote a quarter or maybe two-thirds of the New Testament. And yet, Paul is writing here. He says, you see, we don't want you to be ignorant. He says, I know some of you may think that because of the anointing on my life, I am beyond the difficulties that come to men. He says, no, 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 no. I need you to understand. Don't be ignorant. He say, brethren. He's speaking to brethren, right? He say, brethren. Listen to me, brethren. With all my anointing, with all the grace of God upon my life, with all my revelations, with all my experiences. Brethren, I want you to know something. We came to a junction in life. He says, we were bored. Eh? What does it mean to be burdened? To be burdened is to carry weight. He says we were burdened. Not just burdened. He says we were burdened beyond what? Beyond measure. You know, it's one thing to be burdened with something small. It's one thing to be burdened for a short time. But to be burdened, what? Beyond measure. That means the burden was so heavy. And the burden was for a long period of time. He says we were burdened. Beyond measure. Then he says, not just burdened beyond measure. Because I may be burdened beyond measure, but I have capacity to carry the burden. Is somebody following me now? He says, burdened beyond measure. But what does he say next? Above strength. He says, I was burdened. We were burdened. Beyond our capacity. Beyond our strength. Okay. It's alright. You are burdened beyond measure. We understand. You are burdened above your strength. We understand. Well, that's fine. It will pass away. What is the third thing he uses to describe themselves? He says, they what? They despaired. 
even for life. Ah, is somebody following me in church this morning? This great man of God is saying, when something happened to us, we were boarded, we were laid down, we were heavy, beyond what we could carry, and it started affecting us emotionally, we began to despair for life. I'm going to be praying with somebody today. If you are feeling despair, it is not unusual. Is somebody following me? Did you hear what I said? You see, there's a way Christianity has been packaged that it is now a dangerous religion. When you package a Christianity that says you cannot feel despair or pain, it's dangerous. Because some people say, Everybody tells me, be happy all the time. Rejoice all the time. But in our journey with God, there will be times we will feel burden. There are times we will feel pressure. There are times we will even despair. Listen to me, I want to announce to you something. I don't have the anointing of Apostle Paul. If Apostle Paul could feel despair for life, then it's okay for me to feel that way. Tell your neighbor it's okay to feel that way. You see, you are not telling your neighbor because you don't believe me. Okay, maybe you don't trust Apostle Paul. How about Jesus in Gethsemane? How about our Lord Jesus in Gethsemane? Do you see Jesus modeling for us? The highest level of spirituality and humanity in Gethsemane, this man wept. Cry. He says his sweat was like what? Drops of blood. This, our Lord, he wrestled. You see, those are passages we don't like to teach. Jesus wrestled. And you know, many of you are very spiritual, unlike some of us. We are just ordinary brethren who love Jesus. We have tried to interpret and reinterpret that scripture. Where Jesus said, if it is possible, what? Let this come. Let me ask you. 
Which theology are you using to explain away that, that prayer point? You think Jesus was plain? I say my Lord got to a junction. And I know we don't like to hear this. He got to a junction. He said, Father! Father! If it is possible, Kai, you know, we don't like that scripture because it makes Jesus look weak. But he was modeling humanity for us. Is somebody following me? He was modeling humanity for us. He was showing us that there are junctions in life you get to. And you see what is before you. And honestly, your only response is to weep and cry. And say, God, if it is possible, this cup, I don't want it. And then you leave the final decision with who? With God. Because God may have you drink that cup. Like Jesus. God allowed him to drink that cup. Because he said, not my will, but what? So he knew, this cup, if I have my way at this junction, what I am seeing, ha, huh, but I don't want my will. He was modeling humanity. If you did not believe Paul, can you believe Jesus? Point number one. G number one. Get ready for difficulties. What did I say? Anybody promising you a difficult free life is lying to you. Any anointing that they give you that says will automatically free you permanently from difficulties, that anointing is fake. I like Glory Tabernacle because we are a balanced church. Hallelujah. We are not interested in gathering crowds of psychophants. People that just want to hear good news, but they cannot wrestle with the meat and the bone of scriptures. Some of us in the last 30 years of ministry, by the grace of God, we have said to ourselves, we will not ponder scriptures. We will speak the Bible as it is. May glory tabernacle never change in the name of Jesus. We speak the word as it is. We have not gathered you here to say to you, you will never have difficulties. 
If Paul despaired for life, you may get to a junction where you despair for life. But you see, that we despair for life is not the end of the journey. Hallelujah. We'll look at other G's. But don't beat down yourself by saying, something is wrong with my faith because I am struggling. Brethren, nothing is wrong with your faith because you are struggling. Nothing is wrong with your faith. That you struggle does not make you unspiritual. Did somebody hear me now? It's like somebody who is sick. And then you go and meet him and say, Why are you not believing God for healing? That you are sick is a lack of faith. If you have faith, you must never be sick. Brethren, I believe in healing. I believe in healing. And by the grace of God, Jesus heals. But please don't add weight to a brother who is struggling. Somebody is struggling with a sickness. As a young Christian, I nearly died. Because I was part of a ministry where they said sickness is an affliction caused by your lack of faith. If you believe, throw away your medication. And I took all my medication and threw it in the dustbin. I nearly died. Thank God for mercy. I crawled back to those medications. I am alive today preaching the gospel over several nations of the world. I believe God for divine healing. I thank God also for medicine. They are not mutually exclusive. Is somebody hearing me? Don't allow someone use their faith to judge you. If you have faith for healing all the time, praise God. But don't judge your brother by your faith. Is somebody following me? If you have faith never to despair, praise God for your life. But don't judge a sister who is struggling. We'll look at what should be our response in these things. G number one, I said, get what? Get ready. It will happen. Get ready. Number two, verse four. It says, who gives Sorry, who comforts us in all our tribulation? That we may be able to comfort those who are in any trouble with the comfort with which we ourselves are comforted by God. Talks about God. He says, what does he do? He comforts us. He comes 
comforts us. But when God comforts you, it's not an end. Actually, it's a means to an end. He says, who comforts us in how many troubles? All. So, we are not celebrating boredom, depression, suffering. We are not celebrating it. But we know that as we go through these things, there is someone who does what? Who comforts us. Hallelujah. He comforts us. But look at the reason. The reason it says, so that, what? We may be able to comfort those who are in trouble. With the same comfort we received. G number two. Give comfort. What did I say? Give, give. It's good to give your tithes. It's good to give your offering. But brethren, there are things money will not do. Sometimes, all the person needs is what? A word of comfort. Look, I speak as a pastor. The pastoral calling on my heart makes me bleed in my heart. When I see people struggling. God is comforting us. But brethren, He comforts us. Why? Because He knows in the church of God, there are so many people who need what? Comfort. Don't let the comfort end with you. Last night I was speaking to someone who called me from Asia. And this brother is struggling. He's struggling. And I just listened. I just listened. Brethren, one way to comfort someone is to do what? Listen. Please. May we learn to be good listeners. How many of you have experienced it where you are sharing your problem with somebody? He's not letting you learn. He's giving you advice. You've not finished onboarding your heart. He's telling you the Bible said. Brother, I've read the Bible. I needed someone to what? Hear me out. Do you know that when people unburden, you may not have to give any counsel. Oh, church, you are not hearing me. Should I speak in Yoruba? Uh-uh. Momichi, your people are not responding to me. Oh. Eh? One of the best things you can do for someone who is struggling is what? Listen. 
This man talked and talked almost 30 minutes. Momichi knows how tired I was yesterday. Ha! Ah, I was tired. But I was just listening. After a while he said, are you still there? I said, I am here. Why is this happening? Why is that happening? Do you know that some of the biggest burden you will face will come from the brethren? This man was bleeding, not because the devil did something to him. He was bleeding because brethren did something to him. How come the church becomes a place where we are not safe? How? A place where we should be giving comfort. Ah, maybe Glory Tabernacle is different. But in my 30 years, I've realized that some of the most dangerous people are the believers around you. They will carry gossip. They will tell story. We are walking in Egypt. I just finished a meeting where we gathered several, over a hundred leaders, Egyptian leaders, for a retreat. After one of the sessions, a pastor came to me. He said, do you know me? I said, I don't know you, sir. He said, I am on the executive committee of so-and-so denomination. I said, oh, okay, okay. He says, I want to apologize to you. I said, why? He began to tell me what the executive committee were saying about me. This man, I've never met him before. Yet, they are discussing me. He said, the general overseer was saying things about you. Now I know they are not true. I said, my brother, it is well. He said, I am sorry. I said, it's okay. Let me tell you something. No man can stop what God planned for your life. The people discussing me are now sitting and learning from me. The people planning my downfall, I am feeding them. Now his eye is opened. The house of God must be a place of comfort. We know that when the children of God gather, the devil also gathers. So, even some of you listening to me may not really be believers. But those who are believers in the house, please give comfort to brethren. You know what I want? After service, a brother can touch the brother next and say, Bro, do you have five minutes for me? I say, yes. He said, can I just share something with you and you pray for me? I'm not asking that they ask for money or ask. Just share your heart. Just share your heart. I'm on the pastoral team of the international church in Cairo. It's an international interdenominational church. Mainly Westerners, American, Canadian, and all that. And they recently appointed me chairman of the pastoral team. 
I've been in the country just one year, six months. So when they approached me to chair the pastoral team, I asked why. They said, we can see your pastoral heart. Why? After service, I walk up to people, brother, how are you? Sister, how are you? Look, I am African. I'm black. That is not even not enough. I am Nigerian. You know, to be African is one thing. Because they are white Africans. To be black African is another level. But to be Nigerian black African. When they hear Niger, everybody move back. Niger, uh-uh. Many of our brethren have spoiled things for us. So when you go to a new place, before you even introduce yourself, you have to prove your legitimacy. So I said, why will you choose a black African Nigerian to be head and chair of what? The team of pastors. Say, we see your heart. Brethren, preaching is easy. Pastoral care is hard. So after service, I just mingle. How are you doing? What is your situation? How is your family? How is this? And initially, there was a bit of who is this man? Because I just attended church like anybody else. No position. But slowly, people began to say, this man genuinely cares about our well-being. So after church, I now see people come to me and say, can I talk with you? Can, I, can you pray with me? We have the pastoral team and the elders. But I am saying, how can they provide comfort for this whole congregation? The person next to you is your pastor. He should be comforting you. He should hear your prayers in addition to the work of the pastors and the elders. Is somebody hearing me? Choir, if all of you here started coming to this man of God, you would kill him. Huh? You don't have problems, Nick. <laughs> because the way you are singing, it looks like you don't have problems. Eh? Just look at our general pastor here. If all of you descend on him. But you know what I'm praying for you? Comforters in your midst. Comforters in your midst. May God give us a house of comforters. Trouble will come. Problems will come. Issues will come. No matter your anointing, you will face it. But I'm asking God, give us comforters in the house. Hallelujah. Give us comforters in the house. Ah, Mommy, she has been comforting me. 
In fact, this morning I had to beg Esther. I said, Esther, don't bring food to me. This food is becoming too much. I know you want to comfort me with food, but this comfort can kill my spirit. I said this morning, just I'm preaching, allow my spirit, because she was already coming up with the food. I said, "Mm mm-mm. Comfort can also be physical. Do you understand me? Comfort can be food. Comfort can be a visit. It doesn't have to be money, although it can be money. But it doesn't have to be. Many people, I'm comforting them. I don't have the money. But I pray. Brethren, a simple prayer is powerful. He says, sister, I cannot solve your marriage problem, but allow me to pray with you. Brother, I cannot solve your financial problem, but allow me to pray with you. Just imagine Can you look at somebody next to you and say, will you pastor me? Say, will you comfort me? Uponi, will you pastor me? How about those missionaries in the front line? Who is pastoring them? Remember Paul is talking about Asia, right? He was in the front line. It's a tragedy when you have somebody pioneering and no one is comforting him. I lived in the interiors of northern Nigeria for four years. No telephone. No postal system. No communication. You will struggle by yourself. And you will comfort yourself. Because the whole community is looking to you to provide what? Comfort. But who comforts the man comforting others? I want to ask, if you are giving comfort to people, make sure you are receiving comfort. Is somebody with me? Don't be a superstar, which is part of the weakness we have. We want to present ourselves always. As being too spiritual. I just came from Abuja where I spoke at the National Nema Conference. A brother walked up to me and he said, Brother Chinedu, I have been following you for years. I love your leadership. I don't know why he's saying that. He said, because you don't hide your weaknesses. When you struggle, people know you are what? Struggling. When things are not going well, people know and they pray. You see, I'm always asking people, pray for me. I'm always telling people, I need help. When you make yourself vulnerable, people will come close to you. I repeat that. When you make yourself vulnerable, then they see you as a human being like them. So I tell people, ah, for the last two days I couldn't read my Bible. Pray for me. 
He said, ah, bro, Chinedu, you didn't read your Bible two days? Ah, if you didn't read your Bible two days, please, oh, me, I've not read for one week. But he cannot tell me he didn't read for one week until I told him what? I didn't read for two days. We do a lot of marriage counseling. And I tell people, this couple, the woman called me, she said, I'm leaving the marriage. I'm finished. I don't want any more. In fact, this man, I say, you know, we men, we are very stubborn people. In fact, you know, I started telling her my own stubbornness to my wife. He said, you? I said, yes, I'm very stubborn. I said, in fact, this morning, this morning, see what I did to my wife before I came to say, ah. Then she settled down to listen to me. Because I told her, I too, I'm not an angel. I struggle sometimes. Sometimes I do this or I do that. But God has mercy. So you say, what does your wife do when you do this thing? Say, my wife, she prays. She doesn't fight me. But God is the one that comes and deals with me. And I tell stories. How God arrested me. How God spoke to me. She said, okay. So I can do what your wife does. Say, yes. You can do it. We walk. Brethren, when people see you are vulnerable, they will open up. When they know you are not this angel from heaven, they will open up. And then you have a chance to give what? Comfort. This is Apostle Paul say, we were depressed for life. You know what that means? Please, can somebody help me in Yoruba or in any other? What does it mean to be deep? That verse used to trouble me. Ayesu. Tired of life. Ayesu. <laughs> Forgive me. If it is Arabic now, I will know how to talk to you. But this Ayesu now. <laughs> Ayesu me. You know, my wife is Taiwo. But after 24 years of marriage, she has Ayesu for me. She cannot teach me Yoruba. Does it? you that the great apostle Paul says Ayesumi. The great apostle Paul, he was vulnerable. May we learn to be vulnerable with one another in the name of Jesus. Number 3G, verse 7. He says, and our hope for you is steadfast because we know that as you are partakers of the suffering, so also you will partake of the 
consolation. Look at that. Two sides of the same coin. He says, as you are partaker of side A, I am sure you will be partakers of what? Side B. What is side A? Suffering. What is side B? Consolation. He says what? Our hope for you is steadfast. We are sure. We are sure. We know that we know that we know. If you partake in suffering, you will partake in what? Brethren, can I give you an announcement today? If you are suffering today, you are a candidate for consolation. Not because I said so. It's just the two sides of the coin. He says, I know. My hope is steadfast. I know. If you partake in suffering, not suffering as an evildoer. Of course, the Bible says, don't suffer what? As an evildoer. But if you are suffering righteously, you are going through a problem which is not the result of your personal failure. He says, you are also qualified for consolation. Brethren, that is your inheritance. I want to give you hope. If you are going through a struggle, there is consolation. G number three, grab, grab. You know what's grab? Eh? Grab your inheritance. Grab it. Don't listen to the devil. Grab your inheritance. It is your inheritance to receive consolation. It is not something strange. It is your right in Christ Jesus. And can I tell you, if nobody will comfort you, you have the comforter. Is somebody with me now? You say, Lord, it is my right. It is my right. I am a partaker of part A. I will be partaker of what? Part B. Grab your inheritance. Like I said, I'm going to be praying for some people. You will partake of consolation. You have labored under this weight for so long. This burden has been on you for too long. And there's somebody here, the devil says, this burden will never leave you. This is your portion. You may have a child that is rebellious. And you have accepted. No, 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 no. There is a consolation. I was a rebellious young man in the university. You know, I wish I was like Elder Okboni, who was a very good boy throughout the campus days, who loved Jesus, from his mother's womb. (laughs) 
Unfortunately, unfortunately, although we grew up in a Christian home, we got to the university and we missed it. I'm giving this story because there's somebody here who needs to hear this. We missed it. Got involved in drugs, in women, all alcohol, everything. Cult. My mother wept for years. Full blown rebellion. Full, full. She will gather people to come and pray for me. I said, you want to pray for what now? You want to pray for what? For me? My mother wept. And the more she prayed, the worse I became. It looked like a lost cause. One day, in 1991, all by myself in the university, Jesus encountered me. One day, one encounter, the yoke, alcoholism, drug addiction, the yoke was broke one day. Nobody preached. You know, those days there are no phones now. Sent message home to my mother that I have met Jesus. My mother did not answer me. She was wondering, which new trick is he bringing now? There's something, there's something. She's trying to decode. When I came home for holiday. Because we are the ones who will come in at night, we we'll take the car, we we'll come back in the middle of the night, drunk. My mother is watching me. Come to my bedroom. I'm in the house at night. She see Bible open on my bed. She's watching. After three, four days, say, come. What happened to you? So shall it be for your children. My mother is so consoled. Her years of weeping, so much consolation. Today, she's one of my greatest disciples. She's talking about me everywhere. All my messages, she's forwarding to her friends. When I say, let's read Bible, she'll come with pen and paper. She's so comforted. When the Lord called me to ministry in 1993, she said, you have come again. Which one is this you want to do? But because of the past experience, she said, Lord, lead him. She came to visit us in Egypt recently. And she entered the house. And she saw. I don't know what she expected. 
But she saw the beauty of the house. The largeness of the house. She entered in and she was just looking, just looking, just looking. And she started crying. She said, my God, how did you pick this boy from nothing? And you are elevating him. Oh God, I don't deserve this. She entered our house and she's just crying. You will cry for joy. That situation that looks like cannot bring consolation. Don't give up. Don't give up. Consolation will come if you don't give up. If you partake in suffering, you partake in what? Consolation. Number four, G. So number one, G is what? Get ready. For what? Number two, G is what? Give comfort. Number three, G is what? Grab your inheritance. Don't let it go. Don't let, don't let the devil tell you that this thing will not change. No, 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 no. Grab it. Hold it by faith. Number four is in verse nine. He said, yes, we have the sentence of death in ourselves that we should not trust in ourselves but in God who raises the dead. Ah, please, who put the sentence of death on them? God. God put a sentence on them. Remember when he was talking about, he said, we apostles, we are like the scum of the earth. You remember when he was talking about that? He said, this sentence of death is for a reason. What is the reason? So we should grow. Or what, what is it? So we should not trust in ourselves. Difficulties, brethren, has a purpose. The purpose is to strip you of self-capacity. You know, when somebody dies, what does that mean? There's nothing else. He can't do anything. Who can raise the dead? God. So God put a sentence of death upon us. Why? We will get to that junction where you will face a situation that is beyond your best ability. Because God wants to teach us how to trust in Him. How to trust in the God who raises the dead. G, number four. Grow. Grow by your difficulties. You know, again and again, I've come to points in my life where I did everything I knew how to do and it did not work. Sometimes God wants to remove your strength so that your faith can grow. Sometimes God wants to tell you that it is not your ability I'm looking for. 
You know, I hear some people, the way they tell testimony is not good. You see, when you tell a testimony that makes it look as if you were the one who did it, God doesn't get glory. Do you know that even telling a testimony about how you prayed can be a problem? Because you can make it sound like it was because of the way I prayed. Somebody say, I just declared one week fast. I just declared one week fast. Ah! By the time I finish one week fast, uh uh-uh, the door just opened for me. You see, the way you tell that story, you make it look as if it was your prayer. Please, how many of you have prayed and prayed and the thing did not change? Can you be honest? Because God may be saying, if I answer this thing now, the way they will tell the testimony is that because of prayer, let me, let me confess to you, sometimes the biggest help I get is when I have prayed and I just give up. I say, God, do your will. Lord, I surrender to you. I believe you. Have your way and then the thing works. So when I'm testifying, I cannot say it was because. And even if it was when you prayed, please don't make it sound like your prayer did it. So God can get the glory. God will sentence death to some things so that all our effort will fail and all our eyes will now be on who? On God. All our effort will fail. I walked in a community. Brethren, I preached all my heart. I did evangelism. I prayed. I fasted until I was having ulcer. Not one person came to faith. It was a rural community. We started school for them. We started medical clinic for them. They would take our food. They would take our medicine. But they refused Jesus. I got to a point I was getting depressed. I said, God, is it the sins of my youth that are catching up with me? I have left everything to serve you. Four years, God, not one soul to my name. Four years, and I'm not a lazy man. I locked myself in my room, and I was just crying. Say, God, have your way. I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. Then Jesus started appearing to people in their dream. One day, somebody came to me and said, Malam, Malam. Malam, you know, means teacher. Malam, Malam. I said, what is it? He said, I had a dream last night. I said, what happened? He said, somebody appeared to me. And said, go to Malam Chinedu. And follow him, everything he tells you. 
And if you don't follow him, I will kill you. I say, are you sure? Please, go. Go first. The next morning, he came with his wife and his son and knelt down. He said, I don't want to die. This your God. This your Jesus. Teach me. I will follow you. And then that was the opening for revival. People started coming. People started coming. But it took four years for me to die to my strategy. Is somebody following me? Because I'm a person, I like planning. I like system. Step one, step two, step three. Those who are close to me, you know, I'm a planner. God had to break my plan. Sometimes God must break our plan. But he wants to bring us to a place where we just say, Lord, what? Have your way. Lord, have your way. Lord, have your way. Only you can raise what? The dead. Final G as we close. Verse 10 and verse 11. Who delivered us from so great a death and does deliver us in whom we trust that he will deliver us. You also helping together in prayer for us that thanks may be given by many persons on our behalf for the gift granted to us through many. God delivered us. God is delivering us. And God will what? But how? He says, through what? You helping through prayer. The final G. Get prayer partners. Get prayer partners. Do you know I am amazed how many brethren only come to church for prayer, but they don't have what? Personal prayer partners. It is not spirituality. When you hear a man of God has fallen, part of his problem is he did not have what? Close people that he can pray with. He said there's immorality. Okay. When that pastor started feeling that immorality, question, was there anybody that was a prayer partner that he could say, bro, what? Pray with me, oh. There's one sister, Tinuke, when I see her, I don't know what happens to me. My body begins to shake. I remember somebody who told me, he said, pray for me, I have a problem. I said, what's the problem? He said, in the supermarket, there's one girl. When I go to buy anything, and I look at her, something goes wrong in me. 
I said, what goes wrong? He said, my heart, my, my heart. He said, could it be the devil? I said, bro, come, let's pray. Whether it's the devil or flesh, you are walking on slippery ground. Please, do you have somebody praying with you? I'm begging you, do you have somebody, at least one person, that you can sit with him, you can tell him exactly the way it is? Do you have somebody like that? If you are married, hopefully your spouse is someone like that. But beyond your spouse, it's even good to have somebody else. I have two brothers. I pray with them every week. And both of them are senior leaders in their own ministries. One of them is a Malaysian living in Hawaii. Another one is a brother in Lagos. All senior leaders. But when we talk, we talk deep. Is somebody following me? We say it as it is. We ask hard questions. How is your marriage? How is your sexual life? How is your parenting? How are you managing finances? Deep things. And we pray. It's not a long meeting. One hour, we are done. He says, God delivered. God does deliver. God will deliver. But he says what? You helping us with what? Prayer. Please, if you don't take anything from today's message, leave here and find a prayer partner. May the Lord comfort us in the name of Jesus. So the first G is what? Get ready. Second G is what? Give comfort. Third G is what? Grab your inheritance. Fourth G is what? And then final G is what? How many of you believe God will do it? The choir sang a song. We'll sing that song and then I want to pray with you. God will do it again and and again is the same today Can you rise on your feet as we pray? Yes, today.
pray. I want you to pray for somebody and say, God, the God of all comfort, comfort my brother. No matter what he's facing, God, comfort my sister. Lift your voice and say, Lord, no matter the no matter the issue, comfort this morning comfort my sister begin to pray comfort my brother the secret things that nobody knows about strengthen him to overcome grant him consolation Grant him consolation. Grant him help. He will not break down. He will not give up. He will not miss it. Call on the God of all comfort. Call on the God of all comfort. Call on the God of all comfort. If they have problem with their children, comfort them. If they have problem with their finances, comfort them. Whatever the situation. Whatever the situation. In Jesus' name we pray. You're going to pray for that person again. Listen to me. We need pastors. Not because we don't have pastors in glory tabernacle. But the way God made the body. Is that it repairs itself. Hallelujah. It repairs itself. I want you to pray for that brother. Brother, be a comfort to somebody when God comforts you. You be the voice of comfort. Be the hand of comfort. Be the ear of comfort. Begin to pray. Glory Tabernacle, begin to pray. Sister, be the voice of comfort. Brother, Be the voice of comfort to someone. Be the voice of comfort. Say, brother, don't withhold comfort. Pray for the anointing and the grace to give comfort. The anointing and the grace to give comfort. The anointing and the grace to give comfort.
In Jesus' name we pray. My mother did not give up hope. You will not give up hope. She grew in her faith. Even though it looked like the situation was impossible. I want to pray for somebody here. Your situation looks like it's dead. Like there's no hope. You have prayed. You have fasted. It's looking impossible. Do you want to come to the altar and tell Jesus, only you can raise the dead? Can you say, God, I give up on my strategy. I have tried. It did not work. And you are coming before the altar and you are saying, this one looks like it has died. This one looks like there's no way. But you say, Jesus, you are the one that raises the dead. You are going to cry and say, God, Maybe a child drug addiction. Maybe your marriage is broken. You are going to cry and say, God, resurrect my dead. Lift your voice and begin to talk to the Lord. Anywhere you are, say, resurrect my dead. Resurrect this dead situation. Only you can do this. Only you can do this. I know that here is full. Anywhere you are, just kneel where you are. If you can't get to the pulpit, just kneel where you are. If you cannot kneel, sit down, it's okay. Stand up, it's okay. But you are crying and saying, God, I want resurrection. Baba is here this morning. Say, I need resurrection. Say, God, I will worship you. 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 Resurrect the dead. I will testify. I will tell men it was not me. I will tell men it was not me. Lord, I will give you all the glory. I promise you, Jesus, I will give you all the glory. Hallelujah. Here is what the Lord is saying to His church. The Lord is saying, I am the God of all comfort. I am the Lord who raises the dead. If you believe, you will receive the consolation of God. Father, this morning I pray for the church of God. There are many in the house. 
They are waiting for a resurrection. Martha said, I know you will raise Lazarus on the last day. And Jesus said, "Mm -mm, it's not the last day. Now, I am the resurrection. Over this situation, Lord Jesus, let resurrection power come. We confess to you, Lord, we cannot do this thing. That's why we are just kneeling before you. We say we cannot do this. Lord Jesus, do what only you can do. Do what only you can do. In the life of these, your children, May they testify. Because you believe you will testify. Thank you, Father, for hearing us. Can you rise to your feet? Will you worship the Lord? Will you worship the Lord? Will you worship the Lord? The Lord is saying, if you will worship me, I will do this. And you will testify. Amen. I will worship my God. Oh. I will shout hallelujah. Do you believe? Yeah, I will Dance as you go back. I will worship. 